This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, and today I am talking to Paul Waldschmidt from Onares. We're talking about property management software, what's driving the growth of Onares, the common pain points property management software has to resolve today, and what you need to be looking for if you're looking for the best in a property management software company. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and as ever, super delighted to be back with you once again. So when I started in this business way back, 2002, 2003, there was not much in the way of property management software or vacation rental software at that time, unless you were a big company and you had lots of properties and could afford the fees that were being charged at the time. So when we came into the business with just four or five properties, it was all done with spreadsheets and fax machines and bookings were taken over the phone and just noted down on pieces of paper. And it was pretty easy then. We didn't have the different platforms, so we had no real problem with with double booking as long as we kept the spreadsheets up to date. And then a few years after that, well, maybe a year or two after that, we grew to around 30 properties and those spreadsheets just were not keeping up. And by that time, we were working with um, HomeAway and TripAdvisor. And we figured, you know, now we have to have something. And over the years, we dabbled, say dabbled, we, over the years, we invested in a couple of different options. We tried the do-it-yourself model because my business partner at the time had a database background and he was able to put, you know, a really pretty good software management system together based on a very, very simple one that we found online. And then after that, we did try one of the larger property management software companies. And if I'm not telling you which one it was, you can probably go back through some of these episodes and figure it out. But it was a complete disaster. And actually what happened was that uh, we brought it online in March of, oh, it had to be somewhere around March of 2017, I guess, but around about that time. And within a couple of days, we had reverted back to our tried and trusted self-made system because this proprietary system was not working at all. So we then spent some time looking for a solution that was going to work for us. And the one we found, we have been with ever since. And when we sold the company a month or so ago, that system went with it. And it will be entirely up to the new owners, whether they continue with it or whether they try something else, because we've had it in place for quite a few years now. And moving software companies 
You know, moving from platform to platform is difficult. It really is tough. Even when we were moving from our own self-made system into another one, it was it was tough, and it did contribute to the problems that we we actually had when it was launched and went into failure almost immediately. But but since then, the, there has been this proliferation of companies coming into the space, offering the world, you know, offering everything, customer relations, management, channel management, full accounting, just about everything you could possibly wish for. Some of the property management companies are now offering as part of the package. Some bundle everything in at the start. Others will give options to have these as add-ons. So there is a massive choice a really massive choice out there right now. I've I've been saying a lot over the past few years and and I've also followed this up with interviews as well that you need to really research thoroughly before you go into this at the very beginning or before you make a change. And and I've mentioned Terry White and the Terry White who calls himself the vacation rental software guy and I'll put a link to his website on the show notes. He, along with Matt Landau, produce the Keystone Report each year, which evaluates the best property management software in the short-term rental space. So that I'll put a link to that too. It's always worthwhile going to check that out and, and see who are the front runners from the research that Terry and Matt do. But all during this time, there's been one company that has been quietly going ahead. They don't have much fanfare. If you are not within some of the Facebook groups and on a few of the forums, you may not ever have heard of OwnerRes. And I first interviewed the founders of OwnerRes over four years ago, and it was a small company then, but they were specialising in helping just single property owners, people who own one property or two properties, to help them get started with a great property management system. And they are still doing that. And the reviews that I've seen on forums and in Facebook groups have been absolutely stellar. People love this company. So I wanted to bring one of the founders back on again to talk about the changes over the past four or five years since I last spoke to them and to ask a few questions that may help you to determine what your next move will be with regard to property management software. So let's move straight on over to my interview with Paul Waldschmidt of Onores. Well, I'm delighted to have with me today Paul Waldschmidt from Onores. Paul, it's a, it's a real pleasure to have you back. It, we last talked about four years ago. Do you remember that? I do. I do. In fact, um, I was thinking earlier that this is another milestone for us is uh, back then we started hitting some of the podcasts and interviews and writing articles. And I think this is the first time I've now come to the same podcast for the second time. So now we've gone long enough now. It's been enough years where we could circle back and hit the same one as a catching up uh, interview. So it's, it's great. Well, it, well, what often happens is, is people come back onto this podcast and then you get to go on all the others as well because they all pick yeah. up on it too. <laughs> but, you know, so much has happened in the last four years. I, I follow all the forums and all the Facebook groups and you guys have just really quietly been 
growing without the fanfare, without the razzmatazz. You know, I, I don't know whether I, I mentioned the last time we spoke. I remember going to a VRMA conference years ago and there was one specific property management software company that, that didn't just take one booth. They took the entire aisle. And there was all the razzmatazz and the, the music and the, the booze. <laughs> and I think everybody attending got a, a, a very nice gift as well. And in the background, Onares has been just quietly doing much the same as that company, growing to build those standards that I think property managers expect these days. So what I'd like to do in our conversation today is sort of catch up as to what's happened over the last four years, find out what's driving your, your growth, and ask some questions that I know that property managers and new property managers are asking and get you to, um, to give us your wisdom on those. So let's look at the last four years. What changes have you seen in the short-term rental space over that time from a property manager perspective? You know, let's, let's go back to where you were four years ago, what you were offering and, and what is uh, driving these changes. Well, we've definitely grown up a lot in the last four years. So, wow, four years, so much in that time. We've uh, been hiring and, and we're kind of now a real company. I mean, we were then, but it was Chris and I doing everything, wearing every hat. And we had some, uh, we had, I think, two or three at that point. But now we're, we're approaching, I think, 30. So we're, yeah, we're, we have a lot of, uh, there's been just a ton of growth everywhere. And yeah, when you think about that, that time period, of course, you have COVID there in the middle, yeah. unfortunately. I was going to say, and there so, was just a little thing called a pandemic that came Yeah, <laughs> there is that little one. You can't help but, but mention it. And of course, the peaks and the valleys from that. So yeah, unfortunately, and I, it, you know, I'm, I'm sure every, every interview, every story out there kind of wants to talk about COVID and at the same time, not right. Because we all were, we're so sick of it. We know, but we, we weathered it well. And I think that, um, we actually, it was, it was almost a, I hate to say a net positive for us because of uh, so many people deciding to make new decisions about what software they use or what they were going to do. Some of the big channels made decisions during that time period too. And it, it all kind of came up well for us. Uh, we gained a lot of growth during that time period. But yeah, the I, if I remember, the 2018 time period, we were really starting to, to feel our oats. Uh, that was the time period where we had figured out our pricing problem, 2017. And then we were transitioning from being just like the best toolbox for book direct owners into the PM space, uh, not just for uh, actual, you know, PMs in the sense of managing for others and larger, you know, larger uh, outfits, but but also on the channel side as well, starting to embrace some of what the channels were doing. And we had kind of pushed our way in at that point. And I, and I kind of want to go back and listen to that interview because I'm, I'm curious what part of 2018 that was. It was October, but, I believe. Okay. So I think we were into that period where we had started to make big inroads into what would become our channel management this is way back toward the beginning when we had some inroads into it, but not, you know, we weren't like we were today, which is, you know, now we're an elite channel manager. We've won every top award that you can for, uh, you know, Verbo and Airbnb and TripAdvisor and, and all the rest. So we've really executed very, very strongly on that front over the last couple of years. And I, and I also think that we have been a net force for good when it comes to channels as well. Uh, we've seen them turn a little bit, and I'm certainly not taking the credit for that, but we saw 
a transition. I think COVID uh, contributed a little as well, but I remember back early them asking us to be exclusive with them or to do things that were against our philosophy. You know, it's kind of the reason we had been on the outside for a while. And um, we saw them turn kind of with our philosophy during that same time period. Uh, a specific example is I'm reminded of uh, Verbo. We had so many homeowners, people that have you know five or less properties, starter PMs you might call them, um, traditionally that were our users over the last 10 years. And when we got into it, we said, well, we have this whole area of our, our larger PMs that can integrate and use the API side and all the cool direct channel management where it all looks like you're an owner res, but it's really happening out on Verbo and everything flows back in. But uh, we fought really hard for the five and unders and the 10 and unders. Mm -hmm. And we piloted a program from Verbo that they eventually turned into what they call Quick Connect today. And then they've opened up for everyone. Um, so now we have, you know, homeowners with one property that are, you know, directly doing channel management and all of that. Um, and we did the same thing for Airbnb. We had some, uh, during that time period, we had some, uh, some pilots with them as well that I think knocked some doors down. So again, I'm not taking credit for it, but it's, it's been a, it's been an interesting four years as we've kind of grown up, you know, mm -hmm. uh, literally gotten bigger. And then at the same time, tried to balance that with not losing who we were four or five years ago. Um, and I think we've done a pretty good job trying to hold on to some of that. You always were the champion for the, I'm not saying the champion for the underdog, but champion for the smaller operator. There was nobody else out there that was offering anything for a single property owner or, or somebody who owned two and was considering growth. And is, would you say you are still in that field? You're still op offering that same service to the small owners, uh, small operators, just as much as the large ones? Yeah, absolutely. We've uh, every decision we've made over the last well four years. We've internally we always debate this because we've had conversations about pricing. We've had conversations about what, how to invest in features, and now we have a real development team with a product owner and testers and all this. So. Where are you going to steer the ship now that it's a much larger ship? And there is a very much a strong influence towards the, the large property management end with trust accounting and all the work that we can do there to, to increase that side, um, more with channel management. And then there's the, the smaller features and then everything in between. And like I said, pricing as well. A lot of the industry gets broken up along the lines of pricing, I think, because it's hard to balance what is price effective for someone running a small campground or uh, running their own beach house versus the property manager who has 1,300 mm -hmm. condo units. And so people, tend, I think, tend to steer in one direction or another. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it definitely occupies a lot of our, our conversations in terms of how not to dump what all the homeowners like and what is still our, our biggest market and versus, uh, you know, the direction we've gone with the medium and large PMs. Mm -hmm. So you so so you say the, the the smaller ones are still the biggest market. There's still people out there. Oh yeah, we, we still yeah, and, <clears throat> and I think that that was another area that we were um, that we really jumped on, and we demonstrated this to Verbo. We as an elite partner, we were at their um, Explore. I think it's called Explore 22. It was a few months ago, but I I can't remember anything anymore. We were in one of their partner uh, conferences. We were all catching up, and they were asking us about what we wanted, and they were considering turning off the the small guys again. Uh, they were considering, you know, going back because their their log jam has just grown so much and their team's growing. And I think they've done a, a good job generally, but there were definitely a lot of struggles. And so they talked to us about this as one of four or five elite partners there. And 
you know, we we showed them the data that this is the segment that has ten, that has grown dramatically as people have gone from, you know, Airbnb I think has pushed that a little bit too, but you know, overall people have gone well. I don't like what my PM's doing. I want a closer personal touch. I want to, you know, or I'm retiring and I'm going to do this instead of having a PM do it. And so that market, for whatever reason, I think COVID again helped, has pushed a lot of people, I think, out of the PM space into doing their own. And you see some cycle, right? You have some owners, homeowners who do it or have done it for a while and then go back to having somebody else do it. But it's also a, a super passionate market. Not to say that the PM market is not. My wife is a PM who has uh, manages 30 some properties. But the, the small homeowner market is just so passionate and so involved in, in everything. They take so much pride in their houses and their reviews and addressing little concerns and, and booking their calendars. Their the calendars tend to be much more heavily hmm. booked here because uh, they're just more involved in, in the pricing and that sort of thing. So, you know, it's definitely, yeah, we, we, we very much love that market. It's still a very large part of our system. And we haven't lost it at all. And I think as people have in some cases walked away from uh, the larger PMs or as the Airbnb has exploded, it's, it's been to our advantage because we're, we're, we're ready to, to help that group. You, you mentioned uh, a closer personal touch and that of course is, is the benefit that the smaller operators have with, with their clients who are the guests. But I've noticed from the feedback that, that you see on the forums and, and particularly I've got to mention uh, Matt Landau's um, uh, forum because you're mentioned a lot in that and I know Matt interviewed you recently on the Unlocked podcast as well because he was hearing this so you know I know as a former I have to say former property manager now that having that personal touch with our with our software provider is super super important you know, you want that same person on the end of the phone. You want to, to hear it. And this is what we, we, we have had that with our provider for some considerable time. How important is that, do you, do you feel? Because when, when I've seen some of these comments on, um, on Facebook or the forums, you know, they're mentioning you and Chris by name. Still? Um, yes. Even after all this time? Even okay, after well, all this time. Well, you, you certainly have some, you have, you have some clients that have been around you for a long time as well, from, from the very that's beginning, true. I'm sure. Um, so, so just delve a little bit more into how important that personal touch is. Oh, it's, it's huge. I mean, it's, um, you know, and, and it's, it's at every stage of business. I think every industry is, has realized this unless you're building a nuclear, you know, power plants or something, being able to, to know that the support team, triage team, the, the, even the developer group, that they're all working together to help you, um, and, and be able to talk to you and understand your business and that, you know, half or three quarters of the people that work at the business, which I don't think we're at that ratio, but you know, a lot, a lot of people that work at the, this, the software company you're using themselves use the software or themselves are involved in the industry. This just, is just huge. And I think that's, I think one of the reasons why outsourced software, where there's a software company or an owner who built something, or there's a designer, but then they're using something from uh, they're using a development team that's, you know, several continents away or that, you know, it's not because those guys in those places or those people in those places are are inferior developers or they're inferior to what they do they they all write the same code and they do a lot of the same thing it's it's that direct involvement you know they're they're time zones away they're working for another company and so you can't from you know talking to somebody who's coming in the front door or who's a veteran and you're but you're supporting them to deciding as on the product owner side 
how we're going to do our next development sprint with new features, but at the same time addressing some of what we're talking to, to talking to the development team and then the testers being aware of what support's going to have to deal with. And so they're testing with, and it's all connected, you know, being able to, all of that, I think that users have kind of a sixth sense about that and they, and they, they, they just feel that Mm -hmm. uh, when they're talking to you or they see your release cycle and they, they see how you respond. So it's, it's hard to fake. It's hard to reproduce if you're, if you don't have it. It's also tiring. You know, you have to invest in saying and doing things the right way and measuring and um, making sure your whole team is bought in. So there's something we talk about here internally, which is uh, having a people first culture. And um, I, we didn't invent that. That's a, that's a, a term that wild bit. And, and it, I think there's been a book written about it, but um, there's some pages on our website about, you know, investing in happiness and uh, that happiness matters, people matter, and, and not just our customers, but our own team uh, matter. And so all of our decisions as best as possible weigh in on that, or that weighs in on our decisions, I should say. So, you know, whatever we're doing, we're trying to bring happiness to our team and to our customers at the same time. And so, but that, you know, you have to make decisions in a different way when you do that. It was interesting you talk about happiness because I wanted to ask, you know, what are the common pain points? So going from happiness to, to the pain side of it, what are the common pain points property management software, softwares of any sort have to resolve today? What, what changes have you seen over time with that? I think the support issue is, is right up there because, you know, software is just so prolific so ubiquitous is so, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it, there's a famous essay that said software is eating the world about 15 years ago that a lot of people talk about, which is that, you know, whatever you're doing, you could be, you know, smelting forks in a factory and shipping them on Amazon. There is software in every part of that. You know, the guy who is uh, cutting grass and loading up mowers at the end of the day, there's software in what he's doing in his invoicing and whatever, you know, in, in what he's doing. So, the, the point is that software as a service across every industry, and certainly in the vacation rental industry, has just proliferated so much. There's so many options. There's so many people out there competing for the same dollar that, you know, if you don't have that personal touch, if you don't have a people-first culture, which is what we like to call it, which, you know, shows your users and shows your team, too, that we're here for, for this. We're not here for the next thing. We're not here to, to, to sell out and be gone in three years and, you know, just expand, expand at the trade shows and have a big name and a brand. And then someone comes in and buys you out and the founders move on that we're here for the happiness of this and for our team to thrive. And so that mindset is, you know, about support and about the different sides of your company coming together. So I think that is a, that's a, a pain point that from a business standpoint, I'm talking about my business here, you know, not the property management side, but, um, that's a pain point, I think, that just every piece of software in every industry has to realize and decide which way they're going to go. It's interesting you mentioned you know, support as the one pain point because this is what everybody is impacted by and, and this is what you were just talking about with software generally. I, um, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, to start up a GoFundMe campaign for a local dog rescue organisation to bring dogs from Egypt. And it's the first time ever using GoFundMe. And there was a bit of a glitch in the website when I set it up and it ended up with me being the beneficiary of, of the funds and not the rescue organization. And I've been three days now trying to get some support. And, and I've been talking to Ray, the bot, 
for three days now. And every time Ray tells me he's going to pass this over to their team that will get in touch with me and change this very minor piece that is going to change this beneficiary. Nobody's got back to me. So it's just that tiny thing has caused frustration. It's caused huge amounts of delay. Um, So I, I use this as an example because it is just a general support example. If it's not out there, if it's not if it's not doing what it's meant to do, and you see so many of the bots now, it, it annoys me intensely. And, you know, I, I, yeah. I now go straight in and type in support in the hope. Oh, you know, it's like getting on the phone and saying, give me a real person. Yeah, we, uh, we have something internally called a support Bible, and we kick it around and add stuff to it. And we, we talk about when new people come on. But yeah, it's, it's hard. People want to use macros in their responses on support because you do get, you know, we have probably two to 300 new. Uh, messages a day to triage our triage department mm-hmm. goes through and it's kicked the sales and it's kicked to different things and there's a process they go through but through all of that the transition comments between one person handing it off to another and is you know we're constantly Chris and I are constantly scrutinizing and that that's just it I mean they the users get a sense of how robotic support is and then what happens I mean our support is not super fast either in the sense that you can pick up a phone and get someone immediately or that you'll even get a response within an hour or two it might be later that day it might be something where it's escalated and someone has to get back to you and I think all of that is understandable and there's no you know most of your let's say reasonable users understand that there are people who do yell and scream but most of the, your most most reasonable people understand that but is there warmth you know, is there mm-hmm. someone else on the other end of the line where you know that's that ticket is being handled by someone thoughtfully and they care and they're going to get back to you, or is it the robotic thing? And then if you don't respond to the robot, there's some automation on the other side that just kills the ticket and you're done. Where you know, is there warmth? Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that's part of being people first. So, well, you know, warm, warmth is a foundation of customer service, and right. you know, a lot of customer service has been removed from support from the air, air quotes support. Yeah. Well, I think Amazon has actually navigated this pretty well. And there might be people who are jumping up and down when you say that because, you know, they've had some terrible experience. But at their size, I've noticed I was doing something a while ago and I got the robot questions and you could tell right off. But throughout the process, it was there was kind of a let's let's see if this works. And the answers were actually surprisingly good for what I what I needed. But then it where was a it was always kind of an outlet of this doesn't work, Dimitri or Julie or whoever, whatever the name is, is right around the corner. Would you like to hop over and just talk to them really quickly? Mm-hmm. So there's always an outlet to like, there's a bunch of answers that might apply. And by the way, we're, we have a million people an hour asking us stuff. So, so you know, in the chat, there was like a quick, just one sentence. Is it about this? How about that? Well, here's a list of your, and they, I thought the programming was actually very, very good in trying to break down which thing you were talking about and then get you to the right person but there was a lot of really good warmth in that process. So I don't know if that could be replicated by others at some point, but I get the feeling there was a huge team working <laughs> on just that because it, it, was, it was so good mm-hmm. at transitioning into the actual live person who kind of just took it immediately and ran with it. So. Yeah, I, I, I think the, you know, the, the whole issue of the whole support issue is something that, that needs to be addressed across the board. And I, I yeah. too have experienced the, the, the Amazon experience and it was also a positive one. So uh, that's definitely working. They they have a lot of people, as you say. Yes. I want to talk uh, for a moment about the Book Direct movement. We hear a lot about it, certainly for the last four or five years. 
we've we've been having the book direct day every sort of first Wednesday in February. I think Amy Highnote from VRM Intel really kicked that off and and it has blossomed. It's grown into book direct summits and you know the, the uh, direct book conference in Miami in October and that's that's definitely not the first one of those. So for for me as a as as a property manager we started out using book direct and then because we started in 2002 so and then we got hit with the excitement of HomeAway and TripAdvisor and Airbnb and wasn't this great it was all being automated and then we lost control and we went back to booking direct and by the time I sold the company we were 95% book direct Wow. I, and I know the new owners are now, you know, they're, they're doing what every company should do is have a good mix of platforms and they're integrating Airbnb and VRBO and now Booking.com back into, into the mix and it's working very well. But I, I just feel that, you know, particularly over the, uh, the, the period of the pandemic, that, that more people were considering BookDirect because, you know, not necessarily all to do with what Airbnb did in the early days of the pandemic, which was to upset, you know, a fair few people. But perhaps because people have more time over the past couple of years to really reflect on, on how they're managing their businesses. What do you see as the impact of BookDirect right now on the demand for property management software? Because these are the people who are not just putting everything on Airbnb and letting it do the work for them. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we've always been a, a huge supporter of Book Direct. I think this year we're sponsoring as well at the at the event. I'd have to check, but we're we're you know you mentioned the um, all the bling and the, the circus of of the conferences and the big bright stands and stuff. We finally waded into that. So this this past year we've been at a whole bunch, and I think we're going to be at ten or twelve this year. And, and Book Direct, I'm ninety percent sure we're we're uh, sponsoring that one as well. But yeah, the Book Direct movement is interesting and the the pain points are you know book direct is great for hosts but there's a lot of guests who either aren't aware of it or you know it's just it's very difficult to connect guests with hosts in a lot of markets i mean you have markets like the outer banks where you know because there's kind of this cartel monopoly of of pms that run everything I mean, there's like 10 pms that run everything mm-hmm. and so none of them are or very few of them are are on uh airbnb i think it's broken open a little bit now i know a few years ago it was it was hard it's hard to book that area on verbo or airbnb because there's so much that's controlled by these couple of pms and their websites and they they did a great job they earned the top spot on google it was you know they were they were competing really really well but for the most part in most markets by virtue of the fact that Book Direct is all independent, and there's, you know, there there might be a couple of hundred Book Direct individual homeowner websites in a particular market, by definition, then they can't all be at the fir- on the first page of Google. So if I'm searching for Gatlinburg, I can't, you know, if there's 20 or 30 search results that come up at the top of Google on the first page, by definition, you have the vast majority can't be on the first page. And this is where Airbnb and Verbo have done, you know, an excellent job, you know, by nature of the fact that they're central and that sort of thing. But so BookDirect trying to get the websites to the top of Google, trying to get marketing is definitely uh, one of the pain points. And one of the things that, you know, we've come along and, and for years worked with to try and get them all of those tools because when you're Book Direct, you're, you know, you're, you're your own thing across the board. You're your own renter agreement. You're your own 
website, your review process, everything is, is on you. So you're kind of like your own little Airbnb in a box. And so I think that because so many people started with Airbnb was easy and they went, well, I don't like what happened during COVID. I'm going to become, I'm going to go book direct. I'm going to start looking for my own website. And we have thousands of those. I think we had, we just passed 2000 websites uh, a few months ago. So like a third of all of our users have their own hosted website by us. And that's, that's all, just ours. There's a far a bigger number of users who have, you know, Wix and GoDaddy or whatever. They've done their own website, but just our own hosted website, we have thousands of them. And, you know, so that has, that has made it so when you start to support that, because obviously you need the website, now you need all the things that come along with it. And you need to make sure that the rates on your website are syncing correctly with what you have elsewhere and availability. So it's hard to say what one thing has made the biggest impact um, by Book Direct Movement. I think it's just made people like us who sell homeowner vacation rental software, you know, really have to step up our game and make sure that we're covering those different bases. Mm-hmm. You know, otherwise they go, well, you know, forget it. I'll go to Airbnb or I'll go somewhere else. So, you know, I, I don't, that's, that's not as satisfying an answer as I'd like to give, but it, it has definitely stretched what people are expecting and, you know, made them pay attention to all the details. Mm-hmm. I, I talk to property owners constantly who are currently just on Airbnb and fighting, fighting that urge, almost fighting that urge to come off and grow, grow their own businesses. And they, they do struggle with that. How do I do this? How do I get off this piece of software that's got everything for me, but doesn't work in the way that I really want it to. It doesn't give me the control I want. And, and on top of that, every so often they get penalized. Which is- well, that, and that's just it. So, I mean, the best way, you know, we always recommend that you transition from predominantly channel to predominantly book direct. And 95% is a staggeringly good number. We think it's, it's successful if you get to 30 or 40% nowadays mm-hmm. in most markets. You know, you've, when you've been executing for a long time and you've been doing a really good job and you've been around and you have reputation, you can build from that. But starting out, I mean, if you can see 10, 15% the next year, 20% the next year, you're, you know, most markets are doing pretty well. You are really actually mm-hmm. seeing a transition. Um, but, but one of the ways we recommend is uh, don't try and fight Airbnb with your own website directly. I mean, you do need to have web presence. You do need to have a brand. You do need to establish that because that's the landing spot that people are coming to. But don't don't call it quits if every time from an in-private browser or from a phone or something, you type in a random search for your area and you're not on the first page or you're not even the first five pages. Of course you're not. You know, the world of SEO is huge and filled with money and people, you know, getting links to places and, you know, having tens of thousands of links pointing to Airbnb. And there's no, there's no earthly way of starting a homeowner unless you live in a very rare, unless your property is a very rare area is going to come up right at the top for, the couple of keywords that apply to your region. So don't don't you know uh, you know beat your head against that particular wall. What you should do is see it as the channels are your leads, and you're going to convert those leads to your repeat customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and you got to be careful, like you said, you can be penalized. But you know when they come through booking or when they come through Verbo, you know there's a soft landing place. You call them, you introduce yourself, your emails to them, your communication with them is has your brand on it, easy to remember brand. Um, it's a really good experience, and then you are doing post-departure marketing in the future. You're maybe sending them a postcard at Christmas. 
You're doing the types of things that get them to remember you. So the next time they say, well, I want to go uh, punch up uh, that spot in the Catskills, they remember, they don't, they don't need to punch it in because they remember you. And we think that that, along with some other things, but we think that's the, the more effective way of starting to build while your website starts to, to marinate. Yeah, exactly. And, and you do hear a lot of really good success stories of people saying, you know, I did this, I worked at it, and, and now it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting the results from it. Let's just talk about when people are looking for property management software. Let's say they decided to start the book direct process and they're, they're on that search for property management software. And, you know, there's a lot out there. I mean, I, I look at Capterra sometimes and just blown away with the numbers of, of these, uh, these companies all offering absolutely everything. You know, they <laughs> offer the world. Um, they do. So, so what are the key features? Let's, let's sort of take it back down to basics. What are the key features? Because we all go, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a great one for, for bright, shiny objects and, and the really shiny bells and whistles. But I want yeah, to get so, in there to the basics. So I think you asked me this question four years ago, if I remember Probably. right. Um, <laughs> and so I, I might uh, be working against myself here. I forget what I, what I said at the time. So that, that is, of course, a very, very broad question because these these software packages, some of them are so enterprise in terms of all the things that they covered. We have with Onores eight, what we call eight verticals. Vertical is kind of a, an awkward word to use, but uh, we, 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 we talk about it in terms of eight verticals. So one vertical, for instance, is channel management. One vertical is integrations. How many integrations do you have with, you know, uh, third-party tools that you don't really do like deep maintenance deep cleaning, uh, you know, guest guidebooks, things like that. So these are all the verticals, property management, reporting, accounting. One of the things, though, I always like to, to say right off to kind of cut past all that, and I think this is the reason we're at the top of Capterra routinely, is how fast does the software work? So speed is a feature. And a lot of people scratch their head and go, no, no, I'm looking at CRM and direct and all of this. I don't want to hear about that. Well, here's why you do, because all the best software systems everywhere across every industry are fast and efficient. And you might think, well, how, how, do you, how do I measure that? Well, I think most users kind of get a sense of it. So when you start into the onboarding process of a, of a piece of software and you're doing a trial with 10 different things, or you're exploring a new one. When it's loading up, when it's importing your listings from a from a channel for you, when it's publishing your calendar and you have 200 properties on the calendar, when you're clicking into CRM, when you're hooking things up, what is your sense about the speed and the completeness of what you're seeing? You could be over in property management and you're putting in your owners and you're configuring their commission rates, and or you could be turning on Airbnb integration because you need to get that going to backfill your calendar. How quickly does that work? Is there, are there are there points that where it's, well, we'll call you and we'll finish the rest of this? Um, does it spin and spin a lot? Um, and, and again, I, it's funny how I think people know what I mean, but no one realizes it up front. There was a study done about Google a long, long time ago. This is, again, it's got to be tw- probably 20 years. This is back before Google was bigger than Yahoo and was powering Yahoo's search results. And... Uh, the study was talking about why people preferred to continue just to going to Google's like kind of empty homepage versus the Yahoo with all its bling and all of its stuff all around the pages, and which in, you know you have one that's powered by Google, so it's the same search results and it's got the news and all this other stuff. But why do they why did they want this? And the reason was speed. 
It was very simple, it was very efficient, and it performed flawlessly all the time in sub-second timing. Um, and that's something that we are obsessed about here. We record page response times, and we automatically alert ourselves when we see a page that's taking a few seconds longer than it should. Um, we do a lot of deep analysis about all of our systems, both the front-end systems and the back-end systems. And I think that's why, if you look at our unofficial forums and our, our, our regular forums and all these different places, you continue to see people who say, well, I went away and I went to, I, I won't say a name there, but I went to this group and it's either something about the support or it's, it just seems slow and heavy. It didn't respond as well. Onerez just works. And I think um, as you look through those features, you might, you, you probably want a website, you probably want channel management. We can go through it all, but how fast do they respond? How efficient are the features laid out? Is there a lots of eye candy to look at, but things spin slowly and it's hard mm -hmm. to pick your way around? Or is it good, fast software? I didn't expect you to come up with that answer because you Sorry, know, I, that's me giving up on the. <laughs> I've I've looked at um, you know we, we've looked at so many different software systems over the twenty years that I was running a property management company, and I have to say speed never really came into it. But since you since you talk about it, I can see how important it is certainly these days because everything you know we all want everything yesterday and in the last minute, not in the next minute. And well. Yes. And so four years ago or five years ago, I, my answer probably would have been different because, you know, whether or not you offer websites, whether you have really good channel management, whether you do trust accounting, uh, I think I think the software that was there w was, you know, more arranged around one of one or two of those things. But now with so many channel managers, so many PMSs that also do channel management, so many that integrated with websites, you know, you have a lot more in the same space. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it's not just a matter of wanting everything now, it's that too, but it's also, I think you get a sense of the engineering and the support and the totality of everything that's gone into the product when you see how things perform end to end. I like, well, I, uh, I, I like the speed thing. Yep, and I like the answer. So when, when people are looking for um, a solution, can you give me some of the key questions they should be asking? So I know I've talked to Terry White before. You know, the, the vacation rental software guy, he works with Matt to come together with the uh, Keystone Awards every year. And, and Terry talks about, you know, some of these key questions. What do you think they should be, you know, from, from your perspective as, as one, as a property management software provider? Well, it, you know, one of the things that uh, there are some specifics you can call out, like one of them is there are a lot of companies that are a lot of uh, PM software companies that are channel managers or have mm -hmm. do, do channel management, for instance. But again, getting into the speed and performance, uh, you know, what is, how, how well do they do that? I was just talking to somebody else about this. So there, there's so much out there where, yeah, 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 we integrate with Airbnb and Verbo. Well, full stop, let's, let's review that for a second. Is it an official integration? I mean, there's a lot of channel managers or places that claim to integrate, but it's not official. And the reason that matters is because there's a certification process that goes through testing. Um, there are APIs that are used between software product like ours and, and Airbnb or Verbo or Booking. And so if you're not using those official ones, that integration can go down at any second. Mm -hmm. um, if you're certified and you're on the those official back channels with them, then it's up all the time. It's robust. There's support teams that are working just on making sure those connections exist. So is it official? If it is official, to what extent is the integration? These integrations are huge. I mean, we I can't tell you 
how many collectively tens of thousands of hours we spent working on channel management across our team over the last three or four years because of all the things that are going on and they each have their own weird uniquenesses with Airbnb showing the cleaning fee. But if you want to lend in a resort fee, it's tucked in the nightly rate, right? So, I mean, there's so many tiny little deviations um, between all these channel managers. What all do you support? And, and you can actually see that. Verbo and Airbnb publish those types of things. So does Booking and TripAdvisor. Are you an elite partner, which is awarded, you know, it's not a popularity contest. That's awarded based on metrics in the case of Verbo. So, um, and I'm just, you guys picking on the channel management space, mm-hmm. but within those things, same with websites, same with PM, trust accounting, what is the completeness of that feature when you're comparing them? So the, that's the kind of key questions I would ask when comparing. I, I think it's very hard to say, well, if you're starting out or I'm transitioning from being a homeowner to a starter PM or medium PM, I need X, Y, and Z. I mean, I could make you a list, but there's a lot out there that says that they support channel management, the website, the trust accounting, taxes. So I think like most things in life, you're going to get out what you put in and you have to ask that kind of question. I really do more than kick the tires. You got to really dig down under the hood a little more. Yeah, I love that. It's more of a drill down question than just this, the, the bland, they do this, you do this. And, well, yes. Yeah, we because it well, but, and so many claim to do the same things. So, you know, how well do they do? One of the reasons we have not built cleaning and maintenance into our system, and we this is kind of an internal debate, if Chris was here, he would chuckle, um, about that particular vertical, is because we feel like of our eight vertical, what we do is already so broad, but we, we want a lot of depth to what we do. We want to do it well and fast. And we integrate with a number of good cleaning and maintenance third parties because of our open API. We have 70-some integrations now, apps that work with, owner res. So like, you know, pricing engines like Price Labs or cleaning like, uh, I was going to say VR scheduler, but I forget Jill. I know there was a transition there, I think, Alberto, but the, the uh, you know, the door locks and the QuickBooks and everything. So if you integrate well with one of those, why build it yourself mm-hmm. and then have a feature that doesn't work quite as well as some of the people you integrated with? Those are the types of things to look at, I think, is depth. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I like that idea too. Okay, we're, we're sort of coming up to the end here, Paul. Um, one thing I, I do want to address, and it's, it's a question I, I hear in some of the forums and Facebook groups, is, is about onboarding and the learning curve. What can you yes. say about that? Because I, I know from, I mean, in, in the course of my 20 years, we've done this three times, and, and there is a huge learning curve regardless of who you're going to go with. Would you say yours is, well, I don't know, I'm going to put that over to you and just ask you to address that learning curve issue. Yeah, so I don't shy away from the, are you simple or are you difficult to integrate with question? And we are not simple. I don't think we're difficult either, but we're definitely not simple. Uh, one of the reasons is, and we have an onboarding wizard that we walk through and you on-loan profit, you know, put in properties. And so there's kind of a question interview startup, but we have, like I said, eight verticals that are very deep and we support a lot of different rate structures. We have uh, dynamic pricing engines that, that play in, We you know, on the channel side, obviously the website side. So if you're really trying to get that business off the ground as a homeowner or starter PM or a giant PM is transitioning, you know, it, it takes time to work your way through. And we have a, a set up checklist. We've got, you know, a settings area that we, that we walk through. We also have something um, we call ProConnect, which is a pay for service where we hold your hand and we do video FaceTime interviews with our team. I think there's uh, something like seven or eight people who do only that here. They're on the ProConnect team. 
And so, and it's not terribly expensive, but it's a, it's a, it's a pay for feature. And then, you know, you through from onboarding on, you basically work with uh, one of our people and we, we kind of lead you through and ask questions and there's some training involved. But I think the only way to have a really simple onboarding for any software in our space is to, to have a very niche part of the space. So if you're um, like a rate engine or you're something that where you're doing one specific thing only and you're not a PMS slash channel manager like us, then, you know, it's possible to have a very simple, where are your properties? You know, here's what we found for your market, turn it on. Mm-hmm. But if you are trying to change your distribution with advertising and channel management, if you're trying to, you know, set up a website for goodness sake, right? All the things that go into this, and we have a ways to go in terms of making even more simple and ideas that we want to do, but there is a learning curve and it is not a simple thing that you're going to start up in a day or two and then, and then be done and everything just magically works for you in every little area. So it is, a, it is something we're monitoring and, it's, and it's, it occupies a lot of our time in terms of what's coming next for, for onboarding, but we do offer the Pro Connect as well. So I think that's been kind of a good outlet. Uh, for people who just, you know, there, there's a frustration or, hey, I just need to get this up and running in, a, in, a, in a, a week or two and I can't work my way through over the next month. Well, certainly for, for, for sure, some of the um, some of the posts I saw, you know, talking about learning curve were immediately jumped on by your cheerleading team, which seemed to be the... the yeah, we have a lot of enthusiastic users who, yes. who, yeah, they immediately, you know, jump on, hey, you know, what do you expect with all this you know, stuff you're doing? You're running your business with all this stuff. How can you expect it to, to work in a couple of hours? I, I do. I think there's a balance. I think that there are things that we need to do to kind of overhaul our onboarding a little bit and, and kind of bring what we learned in ProConnect into our onboarding. Uh, because, you know, we, we now we're doing so many ProConnects all the time. And I think we have like 25 or 30 in the queue, as I, as I say, that's not being worked on, but ones that are waiting. Yeah. And so we, we do so much of that, that we've, we've talked about bringing some of the lessons learned into onboarding so that you basically have a software driven way of kind of offering ProConnect for free to everyone in a sense, mm-hmm. and that I, I think there'd be a, a significant uh, change it, you know, once we get to that point as well. Yeah. I've got so many other questions I'd love to ask you, but we, we've, we've run out of time, of course. Hopefully, I won't leave it another four years before we, we catch up again. Well, hopefully, I will be in Miami, probably in Las Vegas for, for VRMA, maybe other conferences. So I'll make sure to, uh, to, to stop by and, and we can have a face-to-face chat, which would be really good. That would be great. Thanks, Heather. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. We'll see you at those conferences. I, I know we'll be at Verma for sure. And I think the I think Miami as well. Yeah. Well, just before you go, just um, you know, how how can people contact you and find out more about Onares? Yeah. So Onares.com, which uh, also redirects to OwnerReservations.com. That was the old website, still there. So Onares, and then we have a lot of uh, there's a whole support center, and as part of that, a contact us that walks you right into. You can call or you can send in a email that's that's designed to you know get you started into the right person we have a big forum right there that that everyone talks on our site as well but yeah just reach out anyone as always and and we'll be there okay i will make sure that all those uh, all that, that information goes on the show notes so if anybody wants to connect with you uh they can do so through that link thank you so much um for being with me today paul always an absolute pleasure yeah me too me too thank you so much heather
thank you so much, Paul, for, for that great conversation about property management software. I have to say that I am more than happy. I don't have to be looking at redoing my software because I know there's a lot of pain points involved in changing over a software. But certainly if you're if you're looking for something new, then you know, head over, talk to the good people at Onores. Um it was so interesting. You know, when I last talked to Paul and Chris four years ago, there was just a handful of them and now there's over thirty. But I don't think they've lost that personal touch, which I really think is so important. Okay, that's it for uh, another week. If you're listening to this on publication date, I will be in England visiting some of my family and catching up as many people have been doing recently after, you know, two or three years of, of not connecting with people. Um, but I will be around, I will be answering emails. You know, my laptop is never very far from me ever. And certainly, you know, I've, I've, I've got an, my iPad and phone and every device under the sun actually that keeps me connected while I'm away. So if you, uh, if you do have comments on this episode and you want to send me an email about it at heather at cottageblogger.com, then I will do my utmost to, to get it answered for you and, uh, and we can connect. So that's it for another week. Thank you as ever for, for listening, for spending your time while you're on the road or in the air or hiking or walking the dog, whatever you're doing. I often imagine how and where these podcast episodes are being heard. And I do hear from some people to, who, who let me know, which is, which is really interesting to hear where you listen. And of course, if you could leave me a review on the podcast platform of your choice, the one that you listen to, I would absolutely love it. The more reviews we get, the more people actually come and subscribe to the podcast. And that pushes our download numbers up, which are pretty good, actually. After all these years, after eight or nine years of doing this, our our numbers are pretty good, but they can always be better. So I'd love it if you would leave me a review, just like you enjoy it when your guests leave you a review. So hope you enjoy the rest of your day. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.